Hello, and welcome to welcome into the charge down, featuring myself, who is called who is called Rob, uh, Neil and Dave and James. But James isn't with us at the moment. Um, I only realise now that I haven't been introducing everyone, so it's just like it's just it's just. What, what made you realise that? I because I listen to episodes into this format. <laughs> I listen to other podcasts, and I just kind of. I, I was like, why do they keep introducing themselves? I know who they are. But then I'm like, we need to do that because obviously it's important so people know who we are. We're just um, nondescript Southsider talking head type people. They don't need to distinguish between us. We might exactly. as well be the same person. We all have the exact same opinions on most things anyway. We're walking, talking stereotypes. It's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> and we love it. Okay, uh, let's let's get into the rugby. Um, yeah, it was a fantastic weekend of rugby. Uh, well, the Saturday was really good. So. <laughs> the Saturday was good. The uh, Sunday, not so much. Um, but let's start with Leinster. Uh, yeah, hell of a performance. Uh, really rough start, but they uh, bounced back. How yeah. did they bounce back? I, I just like I didn't expect it at all. Really, the, mm. it was like totally the opposite of what I expected. Not <laughs> like the outcome or anything, but just how both teams kind of played it. I think we were all expecting this like massively forwards driven sort of who's the bigger man will decide who's willing to put their head in where no one else is willing to put it in, but it just didn't happen like that. I don't know, the game probably benefited for that as a whole. But uh yeah, it was nice to see, I suppose, both teams not doing something wo massively different, but like exploring other options I think. I think both teams came in with that idea of, okay, the other team knows what we're going to try and do, so we're going to try and do something a little bit outside of that to try and, I don't know, catch them off guard or whatever. And yeah, it resulted in some entertaining stuff. Mm. I think we're kind of building up the teams to be those dour grinding teams when, in fact, they would like to play when they can. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't really see this kind of game happening. It's a weird game where Leinster played really well for about 70 or 65 minutes, like really well. Mm. And then utterly abject <laughs> for about 10, 15 minutes. Like, I mean, it's like a move, the first try from this came from a lineup move and they just ran out and they scored. Like, if, if you saw a Zebra or someone or mm. Dragons doing that, you'd be like, that's real bad. Well, I think, mm. like, I know I mentioned it last week and it, it's probably confirmation bias talking a little bit, but uh, like um, the freshness of the players, it did kind of tell. I think in the first ten minutes, the fact that like yeah, that could be uh, that could be true. The O'Flaherty's of this world are just kind of gliding through gaps in our in our set defense, which like you know we haven't seen all season, kind of. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not fair to blame any individual person. I think like everyone was yeah, kind of weird. Like it was someone like Keenan misses a tackle, he makes ninety nine out of hundred, mm. yeah. and then Johnny and on the follow. Up. And then the reason that they're there because Henshaw falls over beforehand because he got bumped by there. Uh, someone running a line from them. Mm. It's it just a comedy of errors. Like, it felt like at least in part like a little bit of match fitness and like yeah, your mind in the right place i.e. Legs- Exeter mm. Legsiter, I was going to say <laughs> Exeter haven't played the week before having that like fresh kind of to the forefront of their mind what, what's what and then, and then us kind of having a bit of a run up 
then they score again. And I'm thinking at a stage, I didn't think it's, I don't necessarily think it was game over, but I thought this is a really big mountain to climb. Yeah. And I thought well, this is Saracens all over again. It, it, it's kind of like, um, they got to the 14 point lead and I was like, okay, this is a huge one. And then they repelled Leinster's first real attack. Yeah. And I was, I genuinely thought that was it. Cause I thought, I thought opportunities like that would come at a premium and that like, we absolutely needed to nail everything. And, Obviously, it worked out in our favor where um, we pretty much, like you, you, Neil, you were saying there, where we played 15 minutes overall terrible, but the, the remainder was pretty much perfect. Yeah. It was just, you were saying you're right, actually, about us repelling the attack because they were beating the hell out of us on the game line. Yeah. Um, I was like, this is going to be real because I thought they'd, they'd keep that up for an entire match and we wouldn't be able to get, we'd have to literally make every opportunity count to get back into us. Hmm. I thought they just keep us back in the in a bad place to be, but um, we we got a lot of change in their their right wing at the start of the game. Like James Lowe was eating them up. Mm. We're just making yards all the time. And that's another thing about Exeter; they're actually pretty poor defensively. Uh, once you get outside the the close in, yeah, and you can say the same about Lancer, I suppose, as well. But well, this is what I think the Exeter went after us in the at the start was they they saw the fact that. To where to get bios was like kind of not in the twenty two, rather outside it. Because once it goes into the twenty two, that's like you've seen it all season. I think from from the young lads up to the to like internationals, where the closer it gets to our line, the more like dogged. And it's it's probably that way for a lot of teams. But like the best of the best teams, I think it's really apparent. And the two the two exeter tries they scored like quite similar in that it was just a line break right outside the twenty two. Where, you know, you wouldn't ordinarily see that happen. I don't think so. Yeah, it's like and the third try was created by a line break and giving away a penalty. Mm-hmm. We're just going. You're just going to do anything with your man. Um... Oh, Flaherty. Yeah, <laughs> he was a wonder kid. Like, I, 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 it's like he greased himself up or something. He's exactly like that. <laughs> we're just going to touch him. <laughs> um, I just want to briefly talk about uh, Johnny Saxon went off and. The twenty-something minute, um, and Ross Byrne came on, and I said it at the time. I thought that was his best game for Leinster, just in terms of the situation, what was at stake, how he played. Um, yeah, really well, impressed with him. It, it was there was a point in the match where it was twenty-three, twenty-two, mm. and we were attacking their line, and Ross Byrne gets the ball and he flings a speculative cut cut out pass out to the right wing. And Larmor grabs it and just does Larmor things and gets a try, wonder try as far as I'm concerned. But like to make that pass in that situation is, I would have thought it was not beyond his skill level, but beyond his temperament. Like mm. that's that's a big game moment right there. And to not only have the balls to make the pass, but to make the pass, make it stick. And then obviously back your winger, he gets in because he's world class. But uh, yeah, you, you wouldn't. <laughs> I know <laughs> you wouldn't normally. Well, I wouldn't normally think of Ross Byrne in that way. Of like that was a game-breaking moment in the clutch, and he he pulled it off. And that's not even touching on his defensive shift, which I thought was, yeah, far beyond right. what I expect of him. Like, to, well, to, I, was... I've, like we've said it before, us okay, international is probably beyond him. Mm. But a lot of his games were, in fact, I think most most of the starts were away to Twickenham. Yeah. <laughs> <Scrap> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, like, and uh, we saw that 
you put like James Lowe and a great attacking press into the Irish team and he can't really do anything. Mm. Um, so that could be an element of that as well. That it's not that it's set up well, but like he is he is tough and gritty. Mm. Like I remember that sticks in my mind is that quarter final against Ulster where he started mm. and he got he was cramping up uh, and he takes the kick to eventually win the game and he's hobbling back literally into line. Mm. I think like, and that's that's a it's not a flashy out half but like an out half that kicks points, makes tackles and has big game temperaments like well it's always gonna be for him. His his point kicking has really never been in doubt. For me, at least, mm. like, he's always been consistent on that. It's just the toughness. I don't know something about him. Like he has like a timid vibe or whatever. Like even the Brits picked up on it. They, I on the Reddit threads of the matches where he was starting there. Like who is this ten? He, they, I think the the quote I remember was, "He looks afraid all of the time." <laughs> Which, like I, I would agree with. A lot of the time, he does doesn't appear to be. Now maybe that's just how he looks. Like. But uh, I mean, if if your opponents get a sniff of fear, like it's probably not a good thing. But uh, mm. I did didn't get any fear from him in that match, which was I don't know. It just it felt like a it felt like a new Ross Byrne era. And I know I'm getting absolutely carried away here because <laughs> like it's one match. But for mm. me, and I know I'm jumping ahead of myself here, but I'd like to see him start ahead of Johnny in the next match. And I don't think that's not like on merit or anything. I don't think Johnny's shit all of a sudden or anything like that. But did I just think. Yeah, I just think Ross Burns earned it on the basis of that last performance. Now, maybe you might say, oh, well, you go with the experience and all that, which, yeah, absolutely, I stand by that. But I just think now feels like the perfect time to say, give him the mantle, so to speak, and say, look, we back you after that last performance and after all you've done. You know, this is the time. And if he can take it, which I hope he can, then mm. I'll power to him. Like, like a... Uh... In modern day Sexton taking over from Contepomi coming on about 20 minutes in mm. European uh, match but I mean I uh, Sexton just worries me like the, the amount of head knocks and stuff and maybe maybe it, it's just exacerbated with him because I don't know a media narrative or whatever like these things get into my head but uh, yeah wasn't he just back from a head knock as well well he was taken off for the Monster match for Henry assessment. He passed that, but they didn't bring him on anyway. Because okay, that's that's good then. Hopefully, this one was more more the same. But uh, it's just it's worrying, like because I don't know the impression he gives of, of his character is that he'll never back down. So you know, you'd worry about a guy like that. I, mean, I yeah. would anyway. Well, you hope that the medical staff are doing their jobs. So that, that's all he can do, really. Yeah, yeah. One thing uh, we didn't mention about the Exeter tries there, and mentioned it before but uh I don't know if a lot of people saw it. The uh Lamour um tries to kick out at O'Flaherty after he slips off the tackle. <laughs> this is for the second try. I'm serious, it's there yeah. on the slow mo replay. Like if he connects with that boot, that's a whole different story. Like that mm. a trip is automatically a red card, isn't it? Not necessarily I have seen yellow cards with trips recently enough. Okay, okay. I thought it was automatically a red card, but uh yeah, that was a narrow escape from him there because if he connects with that, like that's that's a shit show. I actually think Lancer were sufficiently good that they could have challenged with 14 then. But uh, yeah, no, it would have been unfortunate, especially how Lamar went on to mm. uh, both of those finishes. I actually thought he messed up on both occasions. <laughs> yeah. But, I, I'm know. looking at this now, Dave, but I don't think he's actually. Watch it on the slides. 
Watch it on the slow-mo, bro. <laughs> Have you got the slow-mo? I'll get the slow-mo up there now. That's quite apparent on the front-on camera angle on the slow-mo, I think. that It's like instinctual. I don't I don't think he did it in a purely cynical way. But, uh, it's yeah, sliding. It's quite... See, there's another player in the way. Right. <laughs> there was a good angle that showed it anyway. But, uh, yeah, he went on then to have two great finishes, so it would have been massively detrimental, I think, in the context of what happened later on. Uh, yeah, and we were, were debating that, like, should we have Rob, um, Dave Carney on? Mm. And both of them, both Lowe and Lamore, had great attacking games. Mm. So I suppose that's that's why the Leo's head coach and we're not. Yeah. I think um, the back three was really pivotal in kind of getting getting a foothold in that match like mm. it's it, this is why i don't know leinster this past two seasons to me have haven't seen like sort of a backs type of team it's more built on the forwards but in this game it felt like the script was flipped which is why i was saying like it was a weird kind of game for me um, in that it felt like more of old leinster where what we were doing was more backsy kind of oriented like we obviously did the forward stuff but uh well, bearing in mind, like uh, as we, we discussed last week, the, the availability of our backs, mm. like this is only, there's only a few times we've had this back line out this season. True, true. And I suppose even then it was not fully 100%. Uh, like you'd have Ringrose in there mm. ahead of a lock, and if, if you had all choices available to you. So, yeah, mm. it's I suppose if you have the right people for the job, then the job gets that much easier, doesn't it? Yeah. Mm. But, but I thought uh, had big impact, especially in, in those first 20 minutes when we were at rocked and we needed an in. Mm. A couple of times over the ball where you just tore it up and a couple of good carries. Like he, I, th- I think you have to start him for Ireland if he's within a couple of percent of line-out throws. Yeah. Some guys, some guys are already tipping him maybe to sneak in for the Lions. Yeah, and That's... just as a aside to the Lions now, any Leinster type 5 player is odds have increased now that... McBride is. Uh, yeah, McBride's over there now on the coaching t- ticket. Mm. Well, when you say Annie, I, I would say like Towner, probably. No, I get what you're saying. Healy would have like a bump now. Porter would have a bump. Mm. So I think the only guaranteed Leinster forward is um, Furlong. Yeah. And I think I think Ryan is is probably on the plane, but it's 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 not a guarantee. Mm. Yeah, now I think Ely and Porter have a better chance now because they'd be in and around the position. Mm. Now the scrum coaches, their scrum coach. Mm, yeah. I definitely think, though, the, the fight back was built on the backs of like the likes of Keller, as you said. Keenan, I think, played a big part in mm. that offload. Like, mm. I don't know. To, again, to have the balls to do that. Especially like we've spoken on here before, yeah. uh, offloads not really working out this season at times, especially in, in bigger matches. Um, so to to do that and make it happen, I suppose when you're fourteen nil down after whatever ten minutes, you're kind of like uh, we we need. No, some... It wasn't really a risky offload. He managed to get his hands free somehow with two men on him. So mm. it's not like he, he's flicking it out of his hand or something under mm. great pressure. He, it was great work from him, but it wasn't really a, a high risk. It was, it was not like a James Lowe offer. <laughs> where he just he literally just flings it back in field most of the time and hopes for the best. Oh, that's why we love I thought um I thought Van de Fleer has just really improved his carrying. Yeah, it's that's crazy. Evident that game. 
Brian O'Driscoll agrees with you, Neil. That was one of the things I think Bod said in relation to oh, in relation to Van der Fleer. He was saying they, uh, I don't know if he said they probably sat him down after. after... I think he told that it was um, something he needed to work on by by yeah. Andy Farrell that he needed to improve, increase his carrying. And I, I think it's a testament to the man that it's so evident mm-hmm. because, like, he strikes me as the kind of guy where he put in any bit of work that he can put in that he has control over he will happily yeah. do all day and like the fact that he's got such results of it is great because i don't know just i know little kids wouldn't be aware of this but just to see like what the benefits you get from actually focusing and putting the work in in the right areas and this is we mentioned it before about keller's line out like his line out throw is surely something that can be improved in a similar way i.e if you're told this that and the other then you can just allocate x amount more time to it and improve it it's a skill it can be improved and i'd argue it's more of an improvable skill than carrying carrying mm-hmm. to me i would think is a bit more kind of physically linked where obviously there's elements of technique to it that i wouldn't be privy to but i'd say it's more based on like your power through the legs or whatever which you know you can train to a to a limit but you might just have freaks out there who are brilliant at it whereas the line out throw in you know What's the physical element of that? I, I think you could be like, no, I was going to say a baby and do that. <laughs> it's obviously not true. But yeah, mad props to Van der Fleer. He's, uh, he's upped his game. To me now, he's, he's undoubtedly world class. Like, I had, I know, but I had slight doubts of him. I, I, I think even pre this season, I was saying, look, lads, we're probably going to have to lose a back row. And I was saying, Van der Fleer should be the one to go. Now, absolutely nice. not. Yeah, madness in the in the context of what the way I see him playing now, I think that's that was a stupid take. Well, I, I just remember um in my mind I was like Van der Fleer is just like a, a tackle machine and he still is. But mm. now that he's added um that extra dimension with the, the carrying, it's a uh, I don't know, I'm just looking at that back row and I'm like they all play really well and um how do you split them apart sort of thing? Well it's just like the list of guys who aren't there is pretty big too, and it's just like mm. Um, well, I, Rob, you mentioned before in relation to Van der Fleer, you, you, you used the word cerebral. And yeah. <laughs> but I think the context of it was he just made a massive carry and you're like, he's so cerebral, which we obviously <laughs> found hilarious. But uh, I do think like there was a point in that match where he, he went for the turnover, okay? And mm-hmm. his own player was uh, hadn't rolled away quickly enough. So I, I believe firmly that he he realized that if he stays on that ball, that the opposition get a penalty on the basis of his own player not rolling away. So he releases. And I think mm. if, if he did actually consciously make that decision, that shows a big level of cerebrality and understanding mm. of, I don't know, just to step back and say, okay, I'm not going to give these a cheap penalty here. Like, I don't mm. know, just little things like that. You see that, players' intelligence coming through. That that clarity of thought in the heat of battle, um, that's definitely, I, I would associate that with Josh van der Fleer, really. Yeah, and it's, um, it would be probably a bit of an undervalued aspect of players, I think. Yeah. Obviously, you want the raucous passion as well, but it's about finding the balance with these lads, and I think he brings sort of like something that maybe isn't represented always in teams, and it's great yeah. to have. What, what do you guys make of Jack Conan in his 102nd game for Leinster? Big. And I was, yeah. going, I was actually going through a couple of highlights of the European games, and he scores a lot of tries in these matches. Mm-hmm. You kind of forget just how prominent he's been over the last few years. Um, but he's in the form of his life. And he's an outside shape for the Lions, I think. Mm. Yep. I'm getting a bit over 
over uh, exaggerating the maybe the performance of some of these players, some of their chances. But like when you finish the Six Nations strong on top of forming deep into Europe, like there's always going to be a chance. Mm. Um, but he's he's just really really top notch now for us. Um, I don't really have much to say, but he, he's just doing it doing it all really well. I, I like the moment uh, with the 78 minute scrum penalty. Where like obviously everyone was pretty hyped up, but uh, Jack nuts. Conan seems yeah he seemed particularly happy about that one. He's uh, celebrating like it was a final win or something, which well, it's essentially end of the game. Mm. Yeah, it did. Like but, beforehand, uh, it was a very hard place for Exeter to win, but theoretically, now this is just meant like it's okay, it's over. Mm. I'm I'm actually glad there's such a distance between that match and the next match because mm. if that's the level of kind of. You know, on the back of the two Saracens losses, is that if that's the level of like, you know, emotional. happiness, relief, whatever, yeah, the emotional release that comes with that victory, that if the other match had been like the week after, I'd almost worry that, and I mentioned it last week as well, about like a, an emotional hangover. So I think the fact that they have a big gap now actually is quite good and will stand to them because they won't be as inclined to fall into that, I think. Mm. Yeah, yeah, like it's, it's, it's just, it was it was a it's funny enough that's the, the match that I remember quite clearly thinking that this is it. we're now back at the big leagues mm. was the Exeter match in the Viva in 2017. Um, when we come back when Johnny gets knocked out, Ross Byrne comes on, he gets injured, and so we have East at ten with two people down pretty much. Fardy gets carded, and we're we're falling behind that match, and we. Ross Byrne comes back on, um, and we're scraping back into us, and then Levy scores a try, because mm. and the crowd went nuts at that, and I'm really emotionally felt that this is it. We're back in the, the big league. So that's after about four years of not really competing, yeah. one semi-final side in Europe. And I remember the reaction of time was like, let's let's fans was like, okay, yeah, it was a good win, but don't get it, don't get ahead of yourselves. It was just such a Emotional um, high, yeah. And eventually, ended up winning that season. Mm. But I find the don't get ahead of yourself thing kind of interesting because I I seen I know a lot of it is in jest, but I think this one was serious. The the whole like who would win, Leinster or Crusaders, <laughs> and it's popped up again. And I'm like, the last two times I saw this mentioned, we ended up not going on to win the European <laughs> Cup, so uh, could you just not be talking about that until we win, please? Thank you. Yeah, um, I, 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 um, I don't think we're in that same position we were mm. if you, like in 2018. Because in 2018, we were, we, um, we were coming off winning the double, and we absolutely annihilated Wasps at home. Mm. And, people were, and, and people were saying this is the best Leinster team ever if you put out on the pitch, best 23. I think it probably was, but uh, then we lost an hourly in Toulouse, which yeah. kind of didn't take the sheen off it, but said, okay, we're, we're mortal. Yeah. And then we lost, obviously, to the Saras in the final. I think Plus, one thing that did uh, stand to us bigly, and I use that word again, in that <laughs> last match was the. Uh, I don't know much about the Lancer squad now, but for me, it felt like the squad depth with okay. the subs coming on, going off like. Yeah, I, Ryan Berry in particular. Yeah. And not just for our lads coming on, but like I like the Lens the Exeter nine went off and it just felt like what what whatever sort of um structure they did have 
Now, obviously, they were behind at this point, so it was kind of like maybe he was forcing it a bit, but uh, it just felt like there was a lot less structure on their attack. And I thought it was odd as well. They took Johnny Gray off very early, which like maybe it was an injury or whatever, but to me, he's always an 80-minute player in my head, so I don't know what they saw there. It just uh, struck me as mm. a bit odd. But uh, yeah, I think like if you were to look at the benches in isolation and having full knowledge about teams, you'd sort of say, we had the edge there, which stood to us. But when that's, I think we we were kind of in the ascendancy at that stage when the benches started to play a part anyway. So it's yeah. always kind of easier at that stage mm. when you when you when lads are coming on into a winning position rather than a losing one. It's, it's a little bit more sympathetic on them, I think. Yep. Is there anything else from that game? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think <laughs> both myself and Neil called it uh, at the time, and it kind of I don't particularly feel fully comfortable talking about it now considering the news today but uh we both thought Fardy was pretty pretty uh poor I thought Neil would you would you agree uh, we were both calling for him to come off a half time yeah there was just a couple of instances like where he hits the rook and the penalty's given away mm. um, his rook work in particular struck me as it was just a half second off yeah it was like off the mark and he set his own standards so it's mm. his own standards I'm not comparing him to like other people but uh he he just struck me as like his head was elsewhere or whatever, which I suppose, given the news today, it kind of makes mm. a bit of sense. Uh, I t- like we were saying, Baird on a half time, Friday off, whatever. That somehow solves the problem, okay. And then after half time, um, I think the penalty that got Exeter's mall, which resulted in the try yeah. in the first five minutes of the first half in the second half, was given away by Friday at a. Had a breakdown for like a neck roll, I think it was maybe or something. No but, neck roll uh, first half, I think. Okay, mm-hmm. but it was a breakdown penalty by Friday anyway, which was a bit frustrating when you're like, take him off at half time, and then he comes off three minutes after giving away the penalty or whatever. Well, it's mm-hmm. probably longer than that, but yeah. So not a great day for Friday, but uh, we won't begrudge him that. Consider. Yeah. Um. Yeah, yeah I, th- I. I think. Um, if, if someone said, "Is this in the, in the league of our great European wins?" I think it is. Mm. I think it's up there. There's Toulouse away. We had to happen in 2006. But I can't really remember that too well. Yeah. Um. There was that Claremont game at home, which was one of the most intense games I've ever been at. Mm. The uh, Claremont game in 2010. Mm. Um. There was the Toulouse semi-final, which probably wasn't the biggest win or anything like that hmm. but it was just one of the best games I've ever been at the semi-final in 2012 I think it was it was just a really star you know, the game, the lead changed like 10 times during that game hmm. it was a really entertaining game that we ended up winning but like I, I, I can't think of many games more better than that in terms of victories I, I think um, the other one that they always go on about is the Claremont away one yeah um, yeah definitely that one if- if if you just look at the the result in isolation though, like mm. Exeter are are have have been the uh, dominant force, obviously minus Saracens in English rugby for the last whatever five years. That's probably not a four or five years, and uh, to be fourteen nil down against them, and then to come back and win it in such a fashion, I think like yeah, that that alone mm. is impressive. So like absolutely one of the most impressive mm. European sta- like efforts put in. It's uh, I think we'll appreciate it more in a few years, if you know what I mean. 
Um, it depends now what happens next. Because mm. Leo Cullen said, like, it, you won't remember us if um, if we lose next time. Something along, to, along those lines where it only counts if we back it up. Yeah, that's actually a really good um, one. I'm really Joe. glad that we have now a couple of weeks break in between. Mm. Mm. Do, do, you pivot, do you want to pivot then to kind of what are your thoughts on the the, the, the semi-final? Obviously, we're playing La Rochelle. Um, if you want to talk briefly about what you saw from La Rochelle and, yeah. and the I whole... Mean, the whole narrative going in is going to be Raj gets the mastermind against Leinster and all this kind of shit. So. Um, <laughs> well put, Rob. But I was thinking, this is probably the medium ground. Like, you know, obviously you wanted Bordeaux. Mm. Um, and you probably want to avoid Toulouse. And I'm thinking, maybe, maybe not. Um, yeah, for me, Toulouse and La Rochelle are more or less equivalent. Like, yeah. It, uh, you could probably take. For for any negative against La Rochelle, there's an equivalent but like different aspect negative against Toulouse. Sort of I think like I was, maybe I'm valuing Toulouse's history in the competition too much. Yeah, yeah. And like, well, I don't know if you all watched the Sale uh, La Rochelle match, but uh, like they have some stacked squad. It's it's crazily stacked. It doesn't, it doesn't even seem like a French team. <laughs> <laughs> they have like a New Zealand out half pair, pairing, out half scrum half. Um, I don't know. Like, there's about four French players I could, and, and this isn't to say like, like I ha- I hate a West that they're ten. Like, he was never like he never hit the big time in New Zealand or whatever. But it just seems to be this thing where like you can take an average enough player who was maybe struggling to succeed in New Zealand, take them out of their setup. Maybe it's the depth of competition over there or something, and then bring them over here and put them in the team and like they'll do. They kind of play beyond themselves, or maybe it's just that, like, they're just that good skills wise. But, uh, Leonard Brown, no, not Leonard, what's the name of his scrum half? Kier Barlow, as well. Like, he's mm. something similar. But, uh, they have like ball playing talent across the park. Even their hooker, Bougerie, is mm. a ball playing threat. Like, and he's at least French, I suppose, which is a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> You're on, is it Olivon, one of the French national team yes. back rows? It's Aldrit, I think. Well, Aldrit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm the yeah. same. I mix them up, but uh yeah. They, they play very um nice brand of rugby. It's actually very I think you said it at the time, visually pleasing, Neil. Yep. I would agree with that. Um I thought they were they absolutely hammered sale. Um it was mm. a very close match first twenty minutes, and then they just annihilate sale scrum. Mm. They wait till the, the the ball's feeding in. And their hooker is going to hook the ball back, and they just drive through and power through. And like, it's rare to see it like that, where it's like a wait and then bam. Hmm. Well, I just I remember the scrum. I think on the tight head side they had Uni Antonio and Will Skelton. Yeah, which as far as weight goes, that's that's I would say that's probably the heaviest you're going to get. Yeah, it's nearly three hundred kilograms. Yeah. Oh my God. So looking forward to us against them, that's definitely going to be yeah. a... Now, we'll be able to keep the game at a much faster pace and sale will mm. and make them work. So, like, you, you, we've said the same when um, Toulouse picked that massive pack against us mm. in the semi-final uh, in 2019. Mm. Um, where they had, like, Joe Takuri, the, the, Takuri, Takuri. They had... Um, not Antonio. Balmina. <laughs> yeah. Him, Antonio, him, and Aldrich and Olivon are just blended together in my mind. They had like a, they had a massive pack. They had um, mm. Kino. 
Kaino, who like yeah. there's the Victor Vito then for La Rochelle. There's all these players that they seem to the French team seems to have like this arch, archetype of the type of player that they look for in a certain position, and they'll mm-hmm. go anywhere in the world to get that kind of player, which is interesting because they're they they they'd be quite similar squad wise if you looked at the players on a par 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 basis. Uh, La Rochelle are actually second in the top fourteen now, which like they're a relatively fresh team, aren't they? I think in terms of like established it's, top fourteen presence yeah. going through the years or whatever. Yeah. It's their first European semi final. Well, definitely in the Champions Cup anyway. Yeah. Um, but I mean, what they, they do, absolutely deserve to be there. Yeah, they yeah. look really good. Do, do you want to take an angle on um, La Rochelle? Yeah, the Raj and and I suppose uh, John, John Gibbs. Gibbs well. It's probably yeah. it's just big, but that doesn't get the headlines that uh, yeah, Rochelle does. Yeah, it's it's always interesting to see an Irish team come up against an Irish managed team. Mm. I mean, um, I don't think there's any player. Well, there maybe with um, uh, Sweetenham. That's the only Irish player there now. I think. How much just... does Rog really know though? He's, you know he's, he's I mean? done very great um, interviews, actually. There's a couple of, couple of ones during the week, if you catch them. But he's, he's just, uh, very honest, he's, he's saying that that KBA thing, to keep ball alive, has been kind of overblown. It's not like one of their core tenants. Mm. Is this La Rochelle now? Yeah. Um, but it's, it's just, uh, they, they, they definitely have a, a style, and he says he tries to get the players to express themselves. Mm. So it's like Bodia, um, obviously like a playmaking center. You, you don't want to turn him into just a Bosch version, so you let him, you, you let him throw the passes. And I, was, I said a previous match where I don't think La Rochelle have the best structure as or as good a structure as us, but their individual skills are great. Well, mm. I, I might be selling them a bit short. Yeah, because I'll like, try the one that ended up an offload. Um, from Victor Vito mm. had two crossfield kicks in it, and that was almost certainly a a plan to stretch the defense and then stretch it back. Mm. When I say uh, how much does Rog really know, I I I don't mean in terms of his coaching mm. ability. I was more talking in terms of like uh, of Leinster. Like mm. I can't imagine he has an inside track into no. any sort of. Well, you know how Sexton will play because he's played with them and coached them. Yeah. Yeah. But aside from that, like he'd be the same as anyone else looking in, pretty much. Yeah, but still makes for an interesting enough narrative. Yeah. I think they have a match against Leon, I think, this weekend. Mm. And another, I'm not sure who they're facing next week, if they are. But it's interesting for them to be fighting on two fronts, mm. uh, in terms of like spreading their resources or whatever. Because I mentioned about them not being the most established historically team in in the top top fourteen, so. I think they've won that, have they? Recently? No. No. They were they were top, I remember, for ages a few years ago or something. Yeah. But... So like for them, that would you'd imagine be the main kind of focus, but I, I think they have the, the quality to uh challenge on two fronts. Mm. Yeah, it's it's two matches in Europe essentially. Mm. Yep. Now it's um a... it's, it's, we're still favourites. I I'd be more confident going to them than I would be than what be going into Exeter, but um, yeah, lots of, you know, injuries and suspensions over well, the next couple of weeks. I mentioned it last week, and I felt vindicated when I heard uh, Lawrence Delal, Delal, I can't say the name, <laughs> Lawrence <laughs> Delalio saying it as well. Uh, about like the Exeter Leinster sort of felt like the final to him, mm. i.e., whichever not 
the final, but whichever yeah. team came out of that would probably be the one to go on to win it. And yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I, I said that before that match, but now I'm worried again, having seen La Rochelle pump sale. And like, obviously you mentioned it, Neil, uh, they ran them close for a lot of the match up until about the 45th minute. I think it was like 18 all or 18, 16 or something close anyway. But uh, yeah, that was quite dominant. I didn't, I don't know. I didn't think they had that level of sort of kill instinct in them. It was quite brutal at times. Uh, do you guys want to, the other two games? Um, oh, where, yeah. The, 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 the racing, the, um, Bordeaux game was a game you watch. It'd be like eight versus nine in the league or something. Mm, yeah. They're both trying to avoid relegation, and it's just ugly and it's terrible. It was really, really bad. <laughs> I only watched. I only saw the last five minutes, so I, I don't. I don't know. It, it was. It was atrociously bad. Um, Do we know why? Like Bordeaux and Racing are good. Mm. Well, I'm not sure too much about Bordeaux, but. This didn't really have much about them. But uh, Racing, as we discussed previous, are suffering a lot of injuries, especially in the backs. Yeah. Mm. But, like, it was just a ugly game. And that's what happens sometimes when you have two teams from the same league. Like they know each other very well. Yeah. So you can't really get like the matchups where you're not sure about this or that. Yeah. That, I was thinking about that during the, the Claremont uh, Toulouse match, actually. I was like, this stinks of both teams being so familiar with each other that they're. They, they, the margins are so narrow that uh, it results in that. And I think we see that a lot with Leinster and Munster as well, actually. Well, maybe less so nowadays, but uh, you know, they're so familiar with each other that any little give or margin is, is minuscule. Mm. But it, do, uh, it doesn't result in the most entertaining of games, no. But, uh, uh, that wraps up Europe. Um, yeah, no, it doesn't. Does it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, too much. The which one? Oh yeah, Claremont to lose, yeah. Who? If you, if you want it, yeah, yeah. That that wasn't was awesome. bad match. It wasn't no, but the fact that we finished the Sunday with no tries mm. uh, was pretty grim. Yeah, I was looking forward to that match. I thought that'd be an incredible yeah. attacking display. The weather certainly didn't help yeah. things. I don't think yeah, that, was, they have that excuse at least. It was mm. Pretty um, rain in the first half, so it would have slicked up the pitch a bit. But it's it's so funny how like Claremont go behind by nine points or so. Mm. Yeah, it was nine points, and there's about five minutes left, maybe just less. And Claremont get a point uh, shot at goal mm. in the twenty-two, like, and they straight away Paris like let's let's go for it. And he lines up the shots. I I actually went away to get a drink this time because I assumed they would have got it. Mm. It's pretty much a gimme for uh, a goal kicker of his standards, and he misses. And I'm like Claremont, you bottlers. <laughs> <laughs> it's like. It's like the same thing as JJ. As soon as it comes into a, you have to get this to win, mm. or to get a chance to win, they won't. Like it's it's just. Is it, isn't it phenomenal that they went after him as a player though? Like I wonder if they know about that. You know, obviously they they don't, <laughs> but uh, it's it's bizarre how they both got matched up and. Maybe maybe they're thinking two negatives make a positive here, lads. I, I, they don't see it like we do. <laughs> we we get this bloke in here and uh, it'll just totally change our culture. I don't think, I think he's a decent out half we can guess for a decent wage. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that's that's pretty much it. Just putting some squad depth uh, with the possibility of him taking over. But it's just such it's like you're you're such a 
a team that you love to watch, but it's just, I don't think I could survive being a Claremont fan. Mm. It's just consistently, whenever there has to be a, you have to get this, or this is a final, you should win, mm. whatever, it's just, no, we'll, we'll, we'll mess it up. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's pretty much it. Um, yep. I Do think you want to buy into the final? Uh, yeah, against Bordeaux, yeah. They they should easily deal with them. Um, do you want to talk briefly about the comings and goings this week in the rugby world, in the Irish well, rugby we, world? We mentioned Racing Metro. Yes. Notable departure for them and a notable supposed gain for Munster. Simon oh, Zebo. Zebo is on his way back, huh? Yep. yep. And, uh, Seems uh, he's burned up a lot of excitement among Munster fans. And... Well, yeah, I, they seem yeah. to be really delighted he's coming back. Yeah, uh, bizarrely so. I'm not sure if that's uh, entirely <laughs> warranted. But uh, then I think was the remember Sexton went away and came back. Was the yeah. level of euphoria amongst the Lancer fans of a similar or were yeah, we we're, more we're very happy him coming back, especially because Matt O'Connor was leaving as well. Yeah. <laughs> Double win. <laughs> no, but I was very happy to see Johnny back. Mm. Um, but I, it's a bit weird because you think like, okay, you need front rows in Munster. And he signed a second row, and he signed a back back three player. Mm. Uh, each of the last four seasons, I think, or three seasons, um, Munster have signed a fullback. That's not great. <laughs> <laughs> Haley Gallagher, Zebo. Um, I think I just I think there was another player, but I can't remember who he was. Mm. That's uh, well, I I think it's unfair to describe Zebo as a fullback. Yeah, he's a fullback slash wing. Yeah, so we'll give them the benefit out there, but uh. I wonder if he gets back into that monster team. Yeah. Yeah, well, he probably have to up his fitness, uh, I think. <laughs> Haley, Z, as Conway, and Earl's at the moment, mm-hmm. they're all playing well. Maybe Earl's less so, or maybe Conway less so, but. Yeah, I think it'd be unfair based on. Okay, so. But obviously, anyone, the, I'd, love to, against. I'd love to scour back through people's sentiments and see. Mm-hmm. Who the most pro Haley people were, and then see if Haley got dropped for Zebo. Say, just to, que- to see what their take on that is, because like it, it it is kind of a difficult decision where you've kind of backed this younger lad who you genuinely believe to be a decent, solid player, and you're like, okay, given the tenure of that position going forward, and then a beloved club legend comes back, and it's kind of like, uh, what do we do here? Is it justified to just say? <laughs> Uh, well, Haley, you thanks, games, but... it's the start of season and pre-season and you'll make a decision off that. But... Mm. There, um, there's, there's some people speculating um, that because Zebo's contract is partly funded by the RFU. Yeah. Once again, uh, another bailout. Well, well, yes, but some people are saying that maybe they have plans for him as well, which it's, would... It's a weird one because I... Mm. If he's... like At the moment, he might struggle to get back into Munster uh, 20... Munster 15. But like once you add in... Stockdale, um, Lamore, Keenan, maybe Balakoon for a younger player. Mm. Low, even if he comes back into like, there's a lot of players there who are in and around the Irish squad, and he's on he's 32 now at the moment, I think. Sebo uh, is. You see, uh, Neil, you're looking at it from a player uh, ability perspective, mm. which I think is wrong. You have to look at it like this. All right, Bundyaki is. But no, Bundyaki <laughs> is on a downward trend, right? So you're you're a member of the IRFU marketing department. You're looking around. You're thinking to yourself, my God, our whole our whole basis for our marketing campaign going forward is just shit the bed. And then you see Zevo 
looking for a contract and you're like, everybody loves that guy. You get him in and make him the face Irish rugby for the next four years. <laughs> Meanwhile, Hugo Keenan, who's who's put his claws into that 15 jersey, rightfully, in my opinion. This is probably just Lancer bias, but like, he's earned it. He's earned the right. But meanwhile, cheeky chappy Simon's even <laughs> strut in. I'm fucked up. Earned all the money, and now he's just gonna like live it up on that sweet, sweet marketing money. Well, it, it is an interesting question. If if you asked a random person on the street, uh, do do they know who Simon Zebo is, or do they know who Hugo Keenan is? Yeah, I, I'd say Zebo has a much bigger. Uh... I think that's justified, though, on the basis of like. The fact that he's been in the system for longer. Also, mm. his name. I think. Th- I think he has a very good name. Yeah, <laughs> it's a great well, name. He, like. He's been around for a long. Like the average fan will know him more than yeah. uh, Keen, especially because Keenan's prominence has only come during the uh, the no fans. Yeah, so yeah. You have less chance of even seeing him in person. But um, the thing with Zebo is, and this 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 kind of poisons me against him. So I always rate him lo- less than he should. I should probably. Mm. It's because he went over to France. That's fine. He always wanted to play in France, and he's it's a short career, so make your money when you can. Mm-hmm. And then he starts complaining to the media. He's not getting. Not, he doesn't complain to me. And he's not getting picked. He says, "Oh, I'm always available." Mm. It was and a passive kind of thing, wasn't it? And I'm like, you, you made your choice. Yeah, you know this is going to happen. So stop, stop bitching about it. <laughs> and I'm not sure. As a result, I now rate him less than they probably should. Yeah, it's more of a spite thing. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm not sure. I'd be entirely in your camp on that one, but it did, it did seem a bit petty. His, his little. It was almost like a little social media campaign he had mm. going where any opportunity. It was a real media campaign. <laughs> <laughs> he was always giving interviews. I was always but, a, a Six Nation, especially like when he was like under a new coach now because Joe's gone. I was like, Joe got us the best success we ever had, you fucker. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think like if he comes back and he plays to his absolute best of his ability and he gets in on merit, like I won't begrudge that. You know what I mean? I, mm. I, I'd like that. I'd love there to be a He'd be a great sort of asset to have on the team if he's playing to his absolute best ability. But I'm worried he'll kind of strut in t- with the superstar mentality sort of thing. Going back to the people, they love me regardless. And that's not to say he'll be phoned in or anything. But, you know, I'd, I'd almost prefer an up-and-coming young lad trying to prove himself rather than mm. an established person who mm. might have a bit of a strut. You know what I mean? Yeah, I wouldn't be bringing him into the squad too quickly, but, like, yeah, I was trying to think about like it's because he's thirty-two or so. Mm-hmm. You probably want him maybe six months from when when next season starts. With the earliest you want uh, to prove himself, so maybe Six Nations earliest. Mm. So you might be near thirty-three, and you're thinking thirty-three fullback slash wing when you have a few. You have another thirty-three-year-old wing, mm. and you got a bunch of other players. Uh, oh, just. Just to contextualize it, actually, yeah. it only just occurred to me in what we spoke about last week. Does this not scream and shout exactly what we said is wrong with an aspect of how Monster carry on last week? I.e., they've kind of done more of the same here now. It's it's a more of the same move. And I'm not sure if that's what they need. Like, mm. they've, they've had their Zeebo time. <laughs> Zeebo time. Uh, I, I, I think this is... Like, um, is it going to save them? Like, n- not to say, I don't know like, can say if you're getting him for a decent price, you mm. say, why not? Because he's he'd be well loved by fans. It's it's like the Ronaldo thing, like sell jerseys. Like, that, that, that's a bit of it. Like, yeah. the fans love him and he loves the fans. Yeah, I, I joke about the IRFU yeah. marketing thing, but it is like 
players like that do grow yeah. the sport you know what i mean like it's, it's proven yeah so, so i imagine that's it's, it's, it's uh, yeah but again you do question like getting this full back in when you you badly need front rows maybe they, maybe they can't sign front rows but mm. they should have called that for stealing ours sort of purchasing moratorium on front rows or something where it's just They've been told by the higher ups, nah, you have to be shit in front row. <laughs> Deal speaking, with it, speaking of uh, front rows signing, Ala Alatoa. Ala Alatoa. Michael Ala Alatoa signed for Leinster. Crus- yeah. Crusaders and some Owen Tighthead. Um, which I was, I, obviously, I was happy and I was like, yeah, he'll go in. So a lot of people were speculating that this guy's too good to be our third choice Tighthead and that one of Porter would move to Loosehead, or yeah, a, lot, a lot of people saying this doesn't make sense unless Porter moves mm. Loosehead. I'm like, no, no, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Porter and uh, Furlong will both be away for mm. large parts of the season with international rugby. Furlong definitely will be going on the Lions tour, so he's going to be missing a chunk of next year because that finishes in like August. Yeah, the last week, uh, the first week of August. Porter might go on that, so that's the same him. Mm. Our old, our third choice tight head is now retiring. Our fourth choice is, uh, and fourth and fifth choices are playing for Monster, Monster and Connacht. And, yeah. <laughs> and our now sixth and seventh choices, which are now bumped down the lot, one is a 21 year old who signed his first pro contract with us and he's injured and he's going to be away for a while. Mm-hmm. The other one is a 25 year old who's been away for nearly two years. Yeah. Uh, between them, they have like two starts. So this guy's going to guess. Double-digit game time minimum. Yeah. Um, and he's one injury away from being the European 23. So, like, considering Fardy and Bent are retiring, like, this guy's wages will be covered for more than, more than that. Mm. But I'm, I'm happy with him. Uh, yeah. I don't see Porter moving back to Loosehead. I think that's a crazy idea. Yeah. Um, I can understand why he wants to get him and Furlong pitch at the same time. And like Healy's not getting any younger, and then Killcoin is wrong side of 30 as well. So you say, okay, this guy can last us next few years, but it's mm. I, I think it's crazy moving a good tight head away from tight head. True. See, for me, I uh question the value proposition. May it's possible we have some sort of thing with Crusaders now because didn't we do some joint training exercise or something? Like, not not to say we've just yeah, some coaching things, like, yeah, yeah. Well, It'd be nice to develop some sort of mutually beneficial relationship mm-hmm. there. But I question the value of getting an established uh, front rower from New Zealand. I, I don't know. To me, like, you see the French teams with these random Georgian, Azerbaijani, whoever blokes who, mm. who seem to do good jobs. And you'd, you'd wonder, like, you could get someone who might be able to, and I say might with a large grain of salt, who might be able to do a probably slightly worse job, but the cost benefit of him, like you might be able to get him at a much better price contract. Yeah, but the thing is, like, French clubs have much greater contracts in Georgia, so mm. any good any good prop they're going to pick up. Mm. Yeah, so then you're left with the drag. And you want sort someone, of or just like moonshots, like you want someone who's established who can get you through these. These games during the um, Six Nations and stuff. Okay, we don't play games during international windows from now on, apparently. But those type of games, like the week before, 
the Six Nations where you're not going to have any of your star players. Yeah. Mm. But, okay, so I look at New Zealand rugby and I think, like, is the set-piece scrum a core tenant of what makes New Zealand rugby tick? No, that doesn't mean they can't be good, though. I I, I know that. I understand <laughs> that. But I want someone who, who lives and breeds the scrum. And is this going to be the guy? If he comes over here and he's a whirlwind and he's perfect in every way, fine. But I just, I don't know. I think... I said it before. Who is he replacing now? Who's he replacing? Yeah. Uh, yeah, have a good point there. (laughs) He was Mr. He's locked in our scrum for about 10 years now. Yeah, you have a very good point there. But I just have no idea how this guy's like scrummaging wise. Yeah, neither do I. But I I look at New Zealanders and I think ball playing. I'm like, which roles benefit most from ball playing? Well, not the front row. So if I'm getting a New Zealand player, I want it to be. Literally anyone other than front row. That mm. like if if he's if he's a solid front row with great ball playing attributes, then yeah, this is a great signing. You know what I mean? But uh, and he probably does. He, like the Crusaders are a winning team. He's coming from a winning environment where, like, I, I can't imagine they totally neglect the scrum. He's mm. and he's established. You know, so you're you're not taking a risk on a on a no name player like this guy has been around. Yeah. Place for Samoa as well, isn't it? Internationally, yeah, haven't played since the World Cup, but yeah. Yep. So, like, swings around about. I think remains to be seen, but I, I think it's a great signing. To be honest, I, I'm like, it may it may end up either way. Like, it might be great, it might be bad, it might be mm-hmm. somewhere in between. But I, I think this is it's a great replacement. Yeah, like, critical role during the most of the season. Yeah, I do think it is quite funny, in, though, in the context of uh, Monster, like, uh, kind of. Grasping at straws, looking for front row power or yeah. quality, and then we just go and get this guy. Yeah. <laughs> it's like monster. He wasn't, wasn't set after the second row, so he didn't enter the equation for monster. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like we we go get an international tight head uh, as our third choice. Whereas, uh, yeah, I just wonder, like the powers that be or relations between clubs or whatever. If you just sort of say this signing is almost perfect for a monster and. <laughs> I don't know, they get Zebo and we end up with this guy. It's well the thing, the reason we have the signing is because Salamoa said, Yeah, I'll, I'll stay on for you. Yeah. And so Lencer said to Jack Anger, Okay, we'll have a place for you. He goes off the Connacht, which is good yeah. for him because he gets a contract. And then Salamoa's like, No, I'm going to Munster. <laughs> Later, <laughs> kids. Yeah, it's a bit of a dick move, but uh, unprecedented as well. I think he's burned his bridges there. But um yeah, so hopefully it works out good for everyone. So, there are any other comings and goings that you can recall? Fardy as well. Fardy, 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 Fardy as we Fardy. mentioned, yeah. It goes down. Yeah, great Leinster uh, addition. He's, he's, kinda, he's, he's nearly, like, to me, the, the epitome of a good six, if you know what I mean. Like, sort of, like, understated, but does a mammoth amount of work. And, yeah, I think, like, you've seen it in the last few months of maybe his levels dropped off a little bit, but for what he's done since he came... He really mm. steadied the ship and sort of set out a, I wouldn't say go so far as to say culture, but you know he was he was a stalwart in our forwards, and the fact that he wasn't away on international duty as well meant that we absolutely got as much out of him as mm. as we could. So, yeah, I mean, like he, he'll go down in history as one of the, the best signings, I think, in at least in my time with Lancer. Mm. Yeah, really top notch player, real bastard to play against, I'd say. <laughs> um, but as I said, like last six months or so, 
Yeah, he's definitely slowed down. Um, but before that, just a really excellent player. Very comfortable on the ball, as well as being someone who made a mess of the opposition rooks. Yeah, he, he always had a bit, a bit of, like, I can recall him kicking it a few times, I think, as well as doing weird offloads. That, that, like, he was semi-final a couple of years ago, him throwing a massive skip loop pass down the... Yeah, yeah it was great to see that. Like, I, I love when a player backs himself. And I suppose when it works out, it's great. But uh, so is it like he's retiring? Full stop. Oh, okay, so it's no Japan or anything. I think no. he would have done well over there. Like he spent like four years in there, Japan. Oh well, maybe he knows what it's like and doesn't want to go back then. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's thirty seven, so he's he's probably just stone. Yeah. yeah. Um, um that cut, is there anything else? Signings for us, which is great to see. Yeah. I don't yeah. like the way they're doing individual Twitter posts. I hate it. <laughs> they're just stretching out like there's there's no news this weekend. Yeah. For us. So they're stretching out the news. Um Cronin re signing was a bit surprising for me, but I suppose they're thinking that Kelleher will be gone for good stretches, so mm. and Sheehan's only a, a baby in terms of hookers, so might as well have this guy around. Yep. Uh, I think Toner is the other one they announced he's... Yeah. No, he hasn't they haven't announced yet. Okay, well there's heavy rumours that he'll stick around for another, for another year. year would be great, yeah. Um, Furlong hasn't been announced, but uh, according to Torney, he signed a RFU contract, so just mm. on toner there he's actually quite a bizarre player in that respect in that the type of game he plays i think is like minimally affected by age in yeah. like so he's set out a style of this is what i do and i do it to this level mm. i don't feel like him getting older is going to have too much of a big impact so he's, he is stepped down from where he was a couple of years ago but he's still he, as you said like i thought he was fine this weekend well yeah. far you can definitely see he was off the pace a bit Hmm. I think if you put them both together, it kind of compounds it. But yeah, like yeah. Toner is like run the line out and set piece play. So a lot of that doesn't require explosiveness or speed, but hmm. like a lot of experience and his height, obviously, and stuff. So for next yeah. year, just being there, like you, you think that Ryan and Baird will be our first choice hmm. pairing, like, and then he'll be fighting out with Maloney or someone for. I, I, next wouldn't, even, I wouldn't even put it beyond Toner to have another year in him after that. Just with the Maybe. way he plays, like I can't see his level dropping much from what it, it is. It can happen though, like it's it, these they just drop very quickly. You'll be hmm. like instead of giving you a 65 minutes, like he's, he gives you 40. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and just a, a good, good bit of business so far. Yeah, we we um, kind of take it for granted with Lancer because we, yeah. we haven't really, I, I, I say, yeah, I sorry, I heard we brought up um one of the forms, and this is apparently from a Another uh, province player mm. uh, saying, like, it's a lot easier to sign on with Leinster when your daddy gives you a, a BMW for your birthday. <laughs> it's pretty much a verbatim quote, but like, they, there's all stuff they can do that other mm. provinces can't because yeah. their, their player base comes from a more upper class, higher middle class um, social network uh, background. What was this person's point? <laughs> like, if you're trying to. It, you can take a shittier wage but stay at a good club because you're affluent, is it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Pretty but much. what if like what if you're just Okay, to take the devil's advocate position there. Like you don't just get taken onto a contract if you're a poor player. You know what I mean? No, what the saying is like you can you can afford to take a wage cost to play for Leinster. You you'll make up the difference yeah. um via side deals and stuff I, like, not, not even I'd that. rather I'd oh. rather play for a 
lesser club, I know that's a bit disrespectful, mm. and get like potential first place and be like a stalwart of their team who's like, you know, used as opposed to just kind of, I don't know, phoning it in a lenser for a way so that's, that's completely out of what I said. <laughs> what I'm saying is you can, you can basically lower your wage bill with Leinster because for a lot of the players, they come from wealth or money or a certain level of money. So like if, if this is your this you need to maximize every every uh cent out of your career yeah like you, you can't really say well i'll play for the wage cost but like look at the play even lenser and this is not about being first spot or whatever mm. okay but like See, I'm, I'm looking at it as as a first spot or whatever that's no. how i i'm looking at it because i think obviously i haven't had a rugby career so i don't know but i would think that if you craft yourself a first spot with a different province it's more valuable in in some respects i don't know how but like i don't know but, but again these are these are two different arguments mm-hmm. like i'm saying is like they don't need the money as badly so like there's so like if, if they, they don't need the money like, as badly neil yeah. can they not just go and play for the other club but they don't want to play for the club they're, they're taking the wage cuts so they can play for leinster yeah. They get the hometown, right. the hometown discount. Yeah, well, they're, so they're big, just, big people they're around for Lancer and not getting a start when they could get. Stop the saying it. It's not about starts. <laughs> that, that's, that's not the argument. The argument is the wage bill is less than it should be. Yeah, as they're they're playing at home. As in, like if you took like I know Luke McGrath got extended, um, mm. he could probably go to France and get paid a lot more. But, but again, he's... that's another argument saying because he still wants to be in Irish contention. What I'm saying is, yeah. well, yeah, but but I'm also saying is just that um. He's well, yeah. I'm trying to think which player fits into the mold of something like Josh Murphy. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah, there you go. Oh, he's starting to be a doctor as well, so that adds onto it, but he could do that anywhere probably. Mm. But like, he, he doesn't have to because, um, like he's like Leinster will give um, the players, like especially younger players, like um, they have several houses that they live rent free with a few other players. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's something that other clubs do. Um, that's just one example, but. Like so, if you, if you don't need to say if you say, well, okay, I'm earning eighty thousand a year for, for example for a squad player, I could make one hundred and ten somewhere else, and I might be get the same amount of game time or whatever, but I won't be playing for Leinster. Hmm. I have to leave and go somewhere else. Okay, so but I and can't that, not view this argument as with not like in the context of game time. No, it, it, it's it's basically saying if you get ten games a year guaranteed, say, yeah, doesn't matter what club. You guess eighty thousand for Leinster or one hundred and ten thousand for an English club. Okay. Same same amount of game time. They will take the eighty thousand. Okay. Now let's say, let's take the parents out of the equation for like a second. You want to build yourself a career mm-hmm. for whatever reason, whatever the motivation is. Cool. If you have like four strong people ahead of you or three strong people yeah. ahead of you in that club, is it not going to be a lot harder to try and? get yourself into a position where you can show the world, I know it sounds a bit cheesy, but you can show the world how good you are in your given position and then like up your own stock, so to speak, or would you rather just like lang- languish behind better people on a paycheck? You know what I mean? There's a lot more opportunity to prove yourself in a club where there's less better people ahead of you. Regard, mm. Even if the paycheck's the same, 
You know what I mean? It's like you're a brand and you're trying to market yourself. Well, that's definitely a point. But the thing is, they don't need the brand. Like they want to play for Ireland and Leinster. Mm. Pretty much every Irish player does. Okay, I kind of get you now. So it's like uh, they'd be fine even if they weren't. But then why play rugby at all? Why not just live off daddy's money? <laughs> you're, 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 you're somehow conflating getting, being okay with paying less, which they don't care or they're not motivated. What I'm saying is they're okay getting paid less mm. because of their social and economic circumstances and the fact they live in the capital city, et cetera, et cetera. But other provinces might not have that same pull. So they have to up the price, uh, their wage bill to, to match it. Mm. Okay, because yeah, all they can do is up the wage bill, whereas there's other things. Yeah, I kind of get that. Still, I think it's, yeah. it's an interesting point, if a bit petty. <laughs> Let's uh, move off this, no. tangent. <laughs> <laughs> this tangent and talk very briefly about um, Rainbow Cup with uh, its new rule variations, or new law oh. variations, I should say. Goon um, squad incoming. Yeah, the 20-minute the red card, the goal line dropouts, and the captain's challenge. Well, I think we all like the red card, am I right in thinking that? Like it. Like uh, it's a good addition. Well, I, I saw some people arguing, oh, it doesn't, you know, it sends a mixed message. Other people saying yeah. um, they, they might be more likely to give them because yeah. uh, it's less of a, like, kill the game kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to see... How this pans mm. out. I'm I'm against this, but I'm not raising my back. I don't like the um I don't like the kick out. That's not the worst yeah, one by far. That's, that's that stinks of Australians don't want to scrum. Mm. The the goal line drop is the one that I don't really get. And I think that's coming a bit from the view of looking at how Lancer play currently and saying this doesn't benefit us mm. really at all. I think, I think it's they don't want to play they just want to reduce they want to remove the scrum from the sports pretty much. Mm. Um, they, want, they want rugby league. Yeah, essentially. <laughs> um, I, I don't like this at all. I hope to get rid of it. Am I right in uh, thinking the goal line dropout is a nerf to five meter taps? No. Well, yeah, yeah. If you, if you get held up and if you don't have a penalty advantage. Mm. Yeah. Um, but, I, but I wonder how that's going to change refs giving the, the tries or not. Because if, if you say, oh, that's probably a try, I can't see it saying it's held up. You got the five meter scrum, and now it's the ball's now halfway down the pitch. Mm. Like it's it's less of a reward for going for a try. I think um, it could have un- un- unintended consequences where teams go much more conservative. Mm. Um, they don't go for tries as much; they just take penalties. Yeah, I didn't look at it like that. Uh, anytime like... there's something brought in by rugby, it ends up fucking something up down the line. Mm. Like the ELVs is another big one. Oh, again, caused by Australians. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you blaming this on Australia? <laughs> Australians don't like the scrum. They like rugby league and Aussie rules. Don't New Zealand like rugby league as well? Yeah, a little bit. Percent. But they, they, yeah. they'll win through a scrum if they have to. Australians don't have the option. Mm. Um, <laughs> what the fuck, man? <laughs> Just this Australian angst. I, I, yeah, I saw someone on Reddit saying like there could be a situation where a team realizes they're going to get held up over the line. So they actually drag themselves back yeah. <laughs> over the other side of the shoreline so they're not held up. Which it punishes you yeah, going for a try, in my mind. So I don't like it. it. Yeah, it does totally punish trying mm. to get over the try line, which is just utterly stupid. I, I don't know. I don't get that one at all, really. Yeah. 
the captain's yeah. challenge. They, don't, they don't want to get us there. Yes, I said it before. They don't want time on the scrums. Mm. They don't want held up five meter scrum reset, reset, reset. Carries over the line another five meter scrum. But yeah. like tough. There has to be a better way of finding a middle ground. I think. And uh, the last one before I burst in with my anti-Australian <laughs> rhetoric. <laughs> but um, this one. Um, I'm cautiously optimistic about it. I don't like the way it's going, Ruby, in some ways with this. Mm. But if they said, uh, what I'd like to see is anytime the ref, someone asks the ref to look at something, you say, okay, that's your captain's challenge. Mm. And so players stop complaining or asking for us. Yeah. If it reduces that, I like it. Yeah. And if it reduces TMO in general, I like it. Mm. So if there's like an issue, you get to use your challenge. Like, can you look at this ref? Yeah, okay, no. But if there's something that happens that's caught on cameras, it mm. doesn't get brought up unless someone uses the challenge. Mm. Yeah, I agree big time on the uh, if it reduces appealing to the ref all the time. Mm. I think that would be absolutely a positive benefit from it. Now, I don't know how they could make it into that. I, I like how you said like the ref could say, all right, well, that's the captain's challenge, but I can't imagine it's his authority to decide what is and isn't the captain's challenge. It's probably up to the Captain. The captain, yeah. Yeah, I know, but I'd, I'd like a ref to be snappy like that. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think if same, refs... Like, same, same forehand, like, if someone if someone in your team says, look this ref, or complain about us, yeah. we're looking at us, and that's your challenge gone. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. If if they're given the authority to, I think it would actually be quite good, because players will learn quickly to to shut the fuck up, which I think <laughs> I'd like to see a bit more of. Like, it's a bit ridiculous, the level of... Uh, again, it could have always been there. It might just be the COVID stadiums making it a bit more apparent, but... uh not something I particularly like. So it's 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 another level. Does it say like yeah, it's another level of kind of uh tacticalness, is that a word? Uh that just when, go on. Like when when to use it and Yeah, it's it's like a resource kind of thing. Yeah. Think, I, think of it in like a video gamey kind of way. It's like a resource you have and you gotta pick the best moment to use it and when you think you get the most out of it. So kinda I, like I, that because it means it means better captains will be able to have another level of yeah. sort of impact. It's not direct impact, but it's like, you know, if someone has a good read for the game or a read for the ref or what he's likely to do in this situation, they can say, oh, he's he's kind of more likely to give you on this, so we won't waste it there. And Well, well the, the cynic in me would say, let's say, you know, it's in the 70 plus minute, you're, you're getting, you know, under serious pressure and your guys are out of breath, you just go, uh, I'd like to captain the challenge and just make something up and get like get a breather for a few seconds. That's fine. Uh, you, only, you only get one of them. I know. I know. I but... love that, Rob. That's that's <laughs> mad because there's ten minutes left and there could be something really critical like eight there, minutes later. There could be. There could be. It's a risk. I wonder. Risk reward. When's your window to say that? Exactly. Yes. Like say say if someone's injured, mm. and the the coaching staff will have obviously a lot more viewing angles than the captain. Mm. They'll get someone on with water saying. Check this, check this, <laughs> and then the ref and then he goes up to the ref. Like, can he do that? Or a guy and runs then... onto the pitch with a flag, like <laughs> waving it, signaling to the they're, captain they're, to just stand down. They're about to square try and just run. No challenge, challenge. Yeah, right? yeah, that's that's a great point. Yeah, it's obviously during breaks of play, but yeah, yeah. they probably have some sort of because it, it'll um, be it'll be interesting anyway to see yeah. how it uh, plays out. That's like seventy five minutes. You feel like you should just throw it anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Still, for the first few games. They'll be either overused or people forget about us. Mm. 
Well, okay, let's look. Uh, it just came to my head there, but like a perfect instance of Captain's Challenge might have been like uh, the Robbie Henshaw versus New Zealand. I remember there was a high shot there a couple of years ago where it was quite clearly red. I don't know, but Jacko Piper, I think it was, yellow carded it. Mm. Like, is, is, is that. No, that's not really a place for Captain no, Shannon. Definitely just wrongly in some people's opinion. I think something like the, the Wales match, like the head hand collision from their center, mm. that could be picked up. Yeah. But like um it's just one of those wait and see points, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh any other thoughts on the Rainbow Cup, which apparently is still going ahead. I'll uh, leave it when I see it, but <laughs> <laughs> That's it's hard. next week anyway, so it's oh really? Yeah, yeah, yeah it really cool. snuck up on us. Cool. I'm not sure what kind of team we'll have. We'll talk about that next week podcast, I assume. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, okay, I think we should leave it there anyway. Very good. Right. Okay. Okay. Bye, everyone. <laughs>